0: (laughs) send out your light and your truth that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling Welcome back to Sacred Season. I'm Danielle Hitchin. And I'm Erin Hawley.
1: Sacred Season is dedicated to coming alongside listeners with encouragement for whatever season you're in, but especially if you're parenting in the little years. Each episode is built around a season of a liturgical calendar. We believe the church calendar is a helpful way of discipling our hearts and our time, and that each season can lead us into deeper relationship with God and into a deeper understanding of ourselves.
0: Friends, welcome finally to Ordinary Time. It has been a long (laughs) six months as we've traveled through the church year and um, through the life of Christ, and it's wonderful to finally be in Ordinary Time. Uh, When I was prepping for this episode, I did a little research, as I always do, on the background of this season, and I learned that when this season was named Ordinary Time, it was so named to indicate that this period of the church calendar was ordered or ordinal, which is to say counted time. The term ordinary time actually originated as the Roman Catholic term for this season in which the weeks are numbered, and these numbers are used to determine the readings and the prayers used in services during this season. In the Protestant tradition, the season is generally called the season after Pentecost, which is why, as we mentioned in the previous episode, it's also referred to as the time of the Holy Spirit. And while these are the facts of the matter, I personally like to think that the term ordinary time has taken on a life and a theology of its own. I feel like there's something really profound about calling half of the liturgical year ordinary. So, Erin, I would love to know, like, first blush, what do you think of when you think of ordinary time? Oh, goodness. Uh, Danielle,
1: as a mom uh, to little ones, um, I think what comes to mind when I think of ordinary time first uh, is sort of the Colloquial saying uh, that the days are long, uh, but the years are short, <laughs> um, and this is, uh, this idea that when you're parenting little ones, um, you know you have sleepless nights, you have colds, uh, you have broken bones. Uh, if you live in our house, uh, you have all of these things um, that just add up uh, to those ordinary days that can seem really long. Um, but as the kids get older, I- I'm also realizing the wisdom in that these years are very short. So it seems like that that time where you're not celebrating a special holiday, uh, you're not se- celebrating a special season uh, in the church calendar uh, that reminds and sort of points you to Jesus, uh, but rather it's just the day in, day out of mothering um, and hopefully pointing uh, our little ones uh, to Jesus just in these long days.
0: I love that. I think about ordinary time very similarly. I mean, so much of our lives is composed of the ordinary things, you know, meal planning and prep and laundry, so much laundry. Oh, and, too much laundry. <laughs> too much laundry. <laughs> you know, just tours around the house and getting your day-to-day work done and maintaining relationships with your family and friends and community. And I really love um, that this term ordinary time doesn't mean that the season itself isn't holy and that the sacred isn't to be found in it, but rather it's an indication that God is present with us in all the mundane and the normal moments of our lives, just like he is present with us in the extraordinary ones, in the incarnation and in the resurrection, but also in the dishes and the laundry. So while we spend the first half of our year remembering and reliving the life of Christ, we spend the second half of the Christian year consciously in our current time and place. Note that we don't go on to relive the early church years or the Middle Ages or the Protestant Reformation, although a lot of that sounds like fun. I'm sure my kids would love to like dress up and do that. We instead consciously re-enter our very own time and place. We join in the ministry of all the saints to live out the call of the Great Commission and to live in the time of the church. And these final six months of the church year are a great time to renew our focus on the people and the places to which we have been called. So as we look at the life of Christ and the finished work of Christ in the first half of the church year, we kind of come at that topic a little bit sideways in the second half of the church year as we understand how do we conform to the image of Christ in the ordinary work of our lives. And Bobby Gross, in Living the Christian Year, divides the church year into three cycles. He talks about Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany being the cycle of light, which is God with us, Lent, Holy Week, and Easter being the cycle of life, which is God for us, and Ordinary Time being the cycle of love. And about this, he says, quote, we live our Christian lives in rhythms, shared love for God, worship, and sacrificial love for his world, mission, appropriate love of self and self-giving love of neighbor love of fruitful work, and love of renewing rest. Ordinary time is the extended season to walk in Christ's light, to grow in Christ's life, and to embody Christ's love.
1: I really love that. And I have to say, out of all of the seasons, I've probably been most excited about this one because it is uh, where we spend uh, the vast majority of our time. And as we raise our children, I think it's just so important to realize, as Danielle said, that God is with us in the ordinary and the mundane. And just to touch again, uh, as this is our last episode on those three cycles that Danielle mentioned, uh, God is with us. God is for us. And we have the ability to walk in Christ's light, to grow in his life, and to embody his love, Um, and especially that last one uh, in this ordinary time. And one thing I just love so much uh, about raising kiddos is is that there are no ordinary times to children. Uh, And what brings it up so powerfully, uh, this summer is our very first week of summer. Um, we had wonderful plans to swim in the pool. Uh, we had plans uh, to do soccer camp um, and to uh, play in little uh, tournaments and those sorts of things. And yet uh, we broke our foot. Um, oh, our, no. our broke his foot. Um, so there goes our summer plans. Um, but we, my husband had the great idea of getting him this scooter. Um, so he's actually more mobile uh, now uh, than he was before. Um, he can uh, <laughs> uh, jump off sidewalks uh, in his scooters, reminiscent of those uh, sort of trick bikes that you see. Uh, we do not encourage this, um, but just seeing his joy and the the, the ability uh, to, to just do his ordinary things, um, even though he's hindered um, in some respects, um, has just given me a new appreciation uh, for living uh, zestfully, uh, even in the ordinary times, uh, even with uh, some sort of Hindrances like a sleepless night um, or health problems or the different things that can plague us as adults. Uh, we see in kiddos just this exuberance uh, to live
0: fully, uh, even in ordinary life. I think that's wonderful. You know, way to go. Uh, <laughs> that's... It's, it's I'm really sure it's horrifying to see
1: this child jump off the curb with his, with his broken foot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Much more entertaining from where I'm sitting than, <laughs> sure, than from where you are sitting. Um, but I love that he has learned to do the ordinary things of his life in this extraordinary way. Kids are so resilient. And as I think about the work of Ordinary Time... I think there are really two key passages to think about in scripture. The first is Genesis 1, when we look at how and what God created man to be and to do. And the Bible tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And most of us are not really called to extraordinary Christian vocations. We're not called to be martyrs or miracle workers or to be pastors of huge churches or even pastors of small churches. Most of us aren't called to have influential voices in the Christian or secular world. And so naturally, this invites the question of, so what about the rest of us? Does what we do matter to God? But if we look back to our beginning, God first calls us to be image bearers and to be workers of ordinary things. In the same way that God sanctifies our rest by resting himself on the seventh day, he sanctifies our work by being one who works and created, a, creating us in his image to be workers like him. He calls us to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to have dominion over the plants, animals, and earth. And this first call of humans, this first work given to us by God is exceedingly ordinary and it's also completely sacred. It's a call to be married and have children, to steward the gifts that God has given us and to labor productively for our livelihood. Our work is, of course, corrupted by sin, but it is nonetheless an enormously important part of who God created us to be. And there is goodness and sanctification in our ordinary work. Work is a part of what God is redeeming and what God will fully redeem in the end.
1: I love this point so much Um, and just the uh, dominion uh, that God has called us to, uh, to work for him and that no work is any less holy uh, than any other work. In fact, as I was putting my little girl down for a nap this morning, I was trying to to brush her down so I could have a little bit of time to prepare. Um, And I just heard the Lord's still voice that this work is important too. Uh, Loving her is important too. Uh, Singing that lullaby uh, is important too. It is so true uh, that the ordinary moments uh, that no one sees. Um, And actually, that's not true. Uh, Those ordinary moments that you think no one sees, um, (laughs) as I'm always telling my kiddos, uh, Jesus sees. Um, So he is with you uh, in those moments. Um, He sees uh, how many sleepless nights you have. He sees uh, those lullaby songs you sing over uh, your little ones as you are putting them down for a nap uh, or as you are putting them down uh, for the night. Uh, And those moments matter not only to your children, uh, but also to God as you are doing the work that he has called and put before you to do. And those moments matter just as much uh, as the work uh, that everyone sees. I'm reminded of the Westminster Catechism, and I just love this idea. And it says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him. And what has been really mind-blowing to me in the last few years is the fact that I am to live my life to glorify him. And that means everything that I do can be toward that end. So if I'm washing dishes, if I'm doing laundry, um, if I'm putting the little one down for a nap, all of that can be glorifying to God. And I love how Romans 12, 1 puts it uh, in the message version. And uh, Eugene Peterson says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. This means that no task is insignificant in God's economy And that he can use every single one and that every single one can give him glory. That's beautiful.
0: As I think about the way the church approaches work and ordinary time, I think about this quirky little mini season of the church calendar, which is known as Rogation Tide or Rogation Days. And it actually falls during the season of Easter. It falls Sunday through Wednesday preceding um, Ascension, which always happens on a Thursday. And these are days that are specifically set aside for prayer over our work and prayer over our communities in which we work. And there's this really cool tradition called beating the bounds where a priest would process with his congregation around the literal physical boundaries of his parish. And this was back when churches were assigned geographically, unlike today when, you know, individuals decide which church they're going to go to based on preferences. And so the priest and the congregation would process and they would pray. They covered their geographical parish in prayer. And while most parishes don't do this anymore, I would definitely encourage you, as you think about your work and the ordinary callings of your life, to beat the bounds of your community, to prayer walk your neighborhoods or your kids' school campuses or your office building, and to ask God to work mightily in the people of that community to redeem and sanctify that space and that work. You know, Rogation Days are a great time as well to pray through your own vocations and your callings, asking God to redeem your work and to hallow your labor as you seek to honor Him. You know, Paul tells us in Colossians 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. God is a God who takes ordinary work of our hands and he makes it extraordinary. I love it so much uh, that God makes our ordinary work extraordinary and he takes our small
1: efforts and makes them extraordinary um, as well. And this may be too much of an extrapolation, But I was reading recently uh, in the Gospels and the two stories about the loaves and fishes. Um, And what's so interesting about those stories is that uh, when God is offered less in some sense, uh, he starts out with a smaller amount of loaves and fishes and ends up uh, with a greater uh, leftover amount um, at the end. And sometimes I think we can feel like that as moms in our ordinary life, that we just don't have a lot to give that we are all, uh, all, all gived out, <laughs> as it were, um, and that we don't have much uh, to offer to our children or perhaps our spouse um, or perhaps our work. We're not doing it uh, to the excellence uh, that we would like. But I think it's especially in those seasons, in those ordinary seasons, uh, that can be uh, seem draining uh, that God takes our small offering, um, and perhaps he makes it even greater, He takes and does more. He makes it extraordinary uh, than if we thought we were able to offer him a great multitude. So I love that he takes our meager offerings and he makes them extraordinary. And I also love that God gives dignity um, even to the ordinary work. It reminds me, as we've discussed in past episodes, um, of the famous reformer Martin Luther. And one of his great intuitions was that God did not invest um, only those things that the world sees with holiness. So in his view, uh, preaching a sermon uh, was not any more holy than actually changing a diaper. Uh, He called it a nappy, (laughs) Uh, but but he believed that changing a a nappy of your little one could be just as holy as preaching a sermon uh, to multitudes. And I love that idea that whatever we do, if we do it for the glory of God, then it is holy and that he can use it.
0: Yeah, that's a really beautiful statement of faith that God really redeems all of the work of our hands and that no work is, you know, of more importance to God than any other. So in in reflecting upon ordinary time, the second key passage that occurred to me was Matthew 28, which is the giving of the Great Commission. Just before Christ ascends, Uh, He gives his disciples the Great Commission, and he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. So not only are we to be workers who daily display the visible image of God and how we work, but our work now includes the specific call of disciple-making. This, of course, invites the question of just who exactly are we making disciples of, The answer is all nations, of course, but when Jesus calls us to make disciples of all nations, he's not literally calling each individual person to be a missionary to every single person in every single country in the world, but he's asking us to be indiscriminate about who we share the gospel with. As such, it's up to us to discern which portion of the all nations we are called to disciple, baptize, and teach. And if you're a parent, your kids are an obvious part of this call. Our literal neighbors, our friends in line for drop-off and pick-up at school, our colleagues, our extended families who may not know the Lord, these are the pieces of the all nations to which we are called. It's another way in which God takes the ordinary relationships and activities of our life and makes them sacred.
1: This reminds me of the Great Babylon Bee headline uh, that Danielle mentioned a while back in one of our episodes. I think the headline was something like, the father of three wonders when he'll have a chance to impact the world. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, uh, so funny Um, and also so convicting to me because I think we can think, you know, when is my chance to have an influence uh, for the kingdom or those sorts of things. But as a mom, we actually have a front row seat, um, as Daniel said, to some of the most important work um, on the planet. And that is to bring our little ones uh, to the feet of Jesus, uh, to encourage them to know him personally uh, as their Lord and Savior, and really just to introduce them uh, to his presence, uh, to encourage uh, their spiritual development. Um, And that makes me wonder, you know, that is such an awesome task when we phrase it that way, that how do we manage to do that in the day to day? Um, How do we take the ordinary stresses of motherhood um, and make them into lessons uh, that will bring our children uh, to Jesus's feet?
0: Lots of prayer. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Lots and lots and lots of prayer. And I I love that reminder that ultimately, uh, of course, uh, these children are also uh, God's children. He cares for them just as much as we do. So as awesome as the responsibility is, um, it is not a responsibility we bear alone. Um, and for me, my day goes so, so much better. When I begin uh, by asking Jesus to be with us throughout the day in prayer, and then when I accept his invitation to abide in him, for me, at uh, ordinary times, I uh, also just sort of makes Crystal the invitation to abide in Jesus at all times. And the Greek word for abide is minnow, uh, which can be translated to remain, to stay, to dwell, or to wait. Thus, when Jesus invites us to abide in him uh, during ordinary times, as well as celebratory times, he is saying to remain in him, to wait in him, to be connected to him. Uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases John fifteen four this way, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. I love this idea of connectedness uh, that the word abide gives. And in those ordinary times when we are seeking to bring our children uh, to Jesus and fulfill the great commission in our own homes, uh, that we're not alone, uh, but that we can actually live in Jesus and make
0: our home in him.
1: We can abide in him uh, as we go about uh, this great task of discipling uh, and building up our children.
0: I feel like I need a big, giant abide sign in my house, probably in every room. It's just a reminder. Uh, You know, so much of our job as mothers is to teach our children to abide in the Lord. And I had a friend remind me recently that I can't meet all my children's needs. And I think sometimes as moms, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to give our kids absolutely everything that they could need or want. And we want to do that for them. But that's not really possible. Like everybody needs to abide in the Lord, including our children. So teaching them to go to the Lord with their um, fears or their hurts or to pray over them. Yeah. I just think that's a really important part of our call to be mothers. Ordinary time is really a time for us to lean in to the everyday callings of our life and to see Christ and to know, um, the knowledge and the love of the Lord. And one thing my husband has often had to remind me is that I am a human being, not a human doing. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather be a human doing. (laughs) But Ordinary Time uh, remembers that most of our life is neither somber nor celebratory. It's just a time for being. And as we mentioned in our previous episode, the growth and fruitfulness of this season is marked by the use of the color green, which is the color of the Holy Spirit and the color for growth and life. And often I think of the fruit of the spirit as something we need to pursue or something like we really need to work on. But plants don't try to bear fruit. They naturally bear fruit by doing the things that they need to do to flourish. They grow deep roots, they take in nutrients, they receive rain and sun, and they just are. They're just being. And humans are like this as well. If we want to bear fruit, if we want to abide, we need to do the things that feed our souls. We need to put down community roots. We need to take in spiritual nutrients. We need to receive teaching and the gifts of others. We need to just be. Ordinary time is a great reminder to be present and to enjoy our life. And this idea of feeding
1: our souls, I think, is so important to us in the ordinary times. I've recently started a new job. And in addition to a new baby, that can just be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Danielle mentioned earlier, just taking the time and being intentional about uh, cultivating the relationships with our family and friends uh, that God has given us. For me, that can be something that is pushed to the back burner um, because it's not an immediate crisis that's crying out for my attention. Um, It can seem selfish to go to lunch with a friend, even though that friend uh, lifts me up so much and hopefully I do the same for her. So I love that reminder um, that fellowship is actually part of God's call for us. And there's a quote I read not long ago that friendship takes what is ordinary and makes it holy. And I love this idea of biblical friendship as being someone, as a relationship uh, that can point us to Jesus. And an example of this, I think, is in Exodus 17. And it's the great story of Moses, Aaron, and her. Uh, and the Israelites are fighting a great battle. And so long as Moses holds up his staff, the Israelites prevail. So Moses is supporting the army uh, by holding up his staff and God is supporting the army by, by helping them. But Moses gets tired uh, through the long battle and the staff begins to droop. And as the staff droops, then the battle tide turns and the enemies of Israel began to win. And I just love what his two friends do here. So what Aaron and her do uh, is they set Moses down on a rock um, and then they hold up his hands and support his staff. Hmm. Uh, and for me, that just embodies friendship that we have friends who come alongside us uh, when we are weak, uh, when we are drooping, um, and they lift our arms up and help us to accomplish what God has called
0: us to do. So I'm personally very grateful for friendship in those ordinary times. That's such a beautiful story and one that's been on my heart this week as I've had a few friends walk through difficult experiences. And I've just prayed this week, like, Lord, let me be one who can hold up their arms because I know that they are tired and weary. And, you know, it's a little bit challenging to do that when you have so much else on your plate, as we've talked about, just the things of motherhood, but the community around us is a real gift. And I know that these same women have held me up in times that have been challenging as well. The last thing I wanted to touch on is just the many ways, the many stories we see in scripture about how God really does make ordinary things extraordinary, Aaron talked earlier about the loaves and fishes story, which is one that I certainly cling to in motherhood, but I also think about the um, sacraments of the church, baptism and communion, and the ways that God takes the ordinary elements of water and bread and wine and transforms them into um, a way in which we receive and participate in the fullness of Christ's life. In baptism, God transforms the ordinary water into a means of grace, into a means of dying to sin and to rising to new life in Christ. Our ordinary everyday drinkable water, water which we need to live and to literally sustain our bodies, God takes this utterly common element and he makes it holy to us. And in the Eucharist and communion, God takes the bread and the wine, two more ordinary elements. These are commonplace items found on tables around the world, and he transforms them into a means of grace. And I worship in the Anglican tradition where the bread and the wine are actually a part of our communal offering each week, just before we collect a monetary offering we walk the bread and wine forward to the front of the church as a symbolic gift to the Lord. The elements are then consecrated and offered back to the congregation, transformed into a gift from God with an invitation to, quote, feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And as I often baked my church's communion bread, I was always in awe that God allowed me to participate in this glory, taking the humble work of my hands in the bread, blessing it, and then returning it to me as a means of grace. As such an image to me of how God makes the very barest offerings of our life into extraordinary, sacred, holy things, which he uses to literally feed and sustain us. I love that idea of um, use
1: the woman's hands, kneading bread or putting the bread into the oven. And that that is something that God uses for his glory, this very ordinary task that we do um, in our ordinary lives. But yet when we dedicate it to him, it becomes something entirely different and entirely extraordinary. Reminds me a little bit of the story about Brother Lawrence, who determined to practice the presence of God always. He really embraced this idea of abiding. And for him, um, he could abide with Jesus while he was peeling potatoes uh, in the kitchen. Uh, And this idea of baking bread and communion, of course, is especially uh, powerful as we get to uh, experience uh, God's grace to us, as Danielle said But even in those ordinary things um, like washing the dishes or doing the laundry or peeling those potatoes, we can experience the presence of God uh, and know that He is for us in those ordinary times.
0: Absolutely. The same way that God takes the ordinary elements of our life like bread and wine and water and transforms them into something holy. So God can also take your ordinary time and make it something that's holy. So as you live through the next several months of ordinary time, Ask the Lord to bless and sanctify this season with all of its joys and celebrations, its pains and griefs, its dull and routine and modest moments, and ask those things to become transformed by the presence of God to us. As we close out this final episode of the Sacred Season podcast, we want to say thank you so much for journeying with us through the liturgical year, through these cycles of light and life and love. As always, we will close this episode with a meditation on scripture. Today's passage is Matthew five thirteen through 14. As you're able, take a deep breath, close your eyes, open your heart, and ask God to abide in you, that you may be salt and light all of your days.
1: You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.
0: That's a wrap.